are all God's craftsmanship, his handiwork. We're vessels he molds for his glory, for his work, and he is making all things new. He is redeeming all things, and he is restoring hope, joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness in us. He is resurrecting our former broken and sullied lives into lives worth living, lives worthy of his name, lives transformed by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. In short, we are who he says we are. You, me, us, we, we are. We are resurrection people. Well, hey, Heritage, how's it going? Hey, I just want to welcome all of, of you across our network, Bettendorf campus, men of Kiwani, people who are checking us out online, and of course, those of you who are here in Rock Island. I am so glad that you are here. It's been a privilege to already be lifting our voices together and worship together. And uh, I am just expectant that God still has some things to do in our hearts and minds this morning. My name is Josh Howard. I get to serve as the assistant campus pastor here at the Rock Island campus. I've been on staff for two and a half years here at Heritage. And I, I want to just say that I love the team of people that I get to work with. The, the women and men that make up the Heritage staff, they are so devoted to Jesus, so devoted to uh, this church body. And uh, I just love to serve with them. And... Uh, Probably weekends like last weekend, it becomes even more clear to me just how amazing the team is and how amazing our body is. Uh, did anybody get a chance to, to come over Easter weekend last weekend? Did you enjoy it? <clears throat> it was an extraordinary time, and, and it was awesome to see so many different teams coming together to provide uh, an environment that was inspiring and just full of Jesus, full of celebration. And, uh, and I, I loved it. So if you helped out in any capacity, maybe you were, you know, back in the, the kids' department and you were rocking babies or, or making sure that our kids were taken care of, or maybe you were giving handshakes or hugs on our host team, or maybe you were up on, on the platform singing these great Easter hymns. Thank you for your involvement and your investment. The whole body really appreciates it. And it was a great, great weekend. Now, I love, love, love Easter, and I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to say that, right? But I, I really do love Resurrection Weekend, and I think probably because uh, I love a good comeback story. I, I've always been drawn to comeback stories as long as I remember. Back when I was a kid, I was drawn to great comeback stories, and, and I'm a child of the 80s. That kind of dates me a little bit, but some of my favorite comeback stories are movies from the 80s, and I want to just take you through a couple of my very favorites. The first one is Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, right, coming back. He had gotten just trounced by Darth Vader in the last film, and he comes back with a, a new lightsaber and a new Jedi, black Jedi fatigues and new control over his force powers, and he helped his friends be rescued from the clutches of Jabba. And uh, if you don't know what those words mean, it's okay. Roll your eyes like my wife does to me, it's okay, it's all right. But then the next one, maybe more people will understand this, Superman, right? Christopher Reeve was my generation Superman. And the second film in that particular series sees Superman give up his powers for a part of the film, and he kind of gets beat up and, and it doesn't look good, somehow gets those powers back. 
and then puts the smack down on the trio of villains that are trying to destroy the world. Or how about this one? There's Rocky, the Rocky series. Specifically, ooh, I get some, that, wow, that got a bigger buzz than Star Wars. Really good, all right. So Rocky Three is one of my favorite films. It's really the first time that we see Rocky just completely demolished in the middle of the film. And then he works his way back. He regains that eye of the tiger. I'm not singing the song. But he, he regains that edge, comes back, and wins the victory at the very end of the film. By the way, spoiler alert on all three of those films. If you haven't seen them, I apologize. But anyway, it, it's like 30 years now. So, But I love a good comeback story. And I think that's why I love Easter so much. Because there is this, there is this story of Jesus who, who goes to the cross, gives of his life, and then comes back on Sunday victorious and alive and, and thriving and ready to just move the, his movement forward, his kingdom on earth. I love a good comeback story. And, and all that we celebrated last weekend within the Easter dynamic, it, it really does just naturally help us move into this new series that we're launching this weekend. And we're calling it, We Are Resurrection People. And specifically, we just finished a series called I Am, which looked at these great I Am statements that Jesus made about himself that gives us some insight into who he is and who he is in relationship to us. And then to, to realize that because of I Am, we are resurrection people and that there is this pivot moment and, and the resurrection is, is really the hinge point there in the midst of it. It really kind of sets up, if you're taking notes, it's the kind of the momentous occasion of filling in your first blank, but it sets up this dynamic that the resurrection changes everything. Amen? The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. There is no facet of life that remains the same after the resurrection, that the final enemy of humanity, the enemy of, of death, no longer has the final say the resurrection communicates that there is no one that is too far gone and that everyone can experience their own comeback story. Now, you don't have to look very hard in the New Testament for specific examples of how the resurrection changes trajectory. Like, for instance, let's, let's just talk about Peter for a minute. You know, Peter was kind of an outspoken disciple, but there was this moment during the, the events leading up to the crucifixion where he just started to operate from a place of fear. And he began to, he denied Jesus three times, and he just, he did some things in that moment that he wasn't proud of. It just, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good situation for him. But then if you fast forward to after the resurrection and to Acts chapter 2, you see him courageously and boldly preaching the message of Jesus to a large crowd. And we see a stark difference in how he positions himself. He's no longer operating from a place of fear. He's actually operating from a place of courage and boldness and faithfulness and obedience. But this happens after the resurrection. Or, or let's consider the story of James, the brother of Jesus. Now, Pastor Sean has talked about this in the past, about how the, the story of James, it's so intriguing and it does stand as one of the most intriguing uh, arguments for proof of the resurrection. And it's, it's this amazing thing to consider that, that post-resurrection, the brother of Jesus, James, threw all of his weight into helping the movement of Jesus forward. He was a thought leader, and he was, he was a, a, a writer in the early church. In fact, the, the book of James is written by him, and it's thought to be one of the earliest 
to be written and the earliest to be distributed uh, of all of our New Testament writings, that there is just some practical good advice in that letter to the church. We'll be actually looking at that throughout the rest of the series. But, but the, the story of James is so intriguing from the standpoint of a brother of someone who decides to throw the rest of his life uh, in, in followership of that someone. Now, if you have a sibling, you kind of understand how big of a deal this is. I have a brother, his name's Jeff, he's five years younger than me, and we share a lot of things in common, but we're also very different. And uh, we, we have this mutual love and respect, and we, we kind of have a mutual uh, uh, love and affinity for the currently first place St. Louis Cardinals, but uh, you know, hey, it took me, it's like been three years since I could say anything about that. But, but we, 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 we love each other, but here's the thing, my brother would be the first one to call shenanigans on me if I tried to do something that was disingenuous or, or false or, or layered in some sort of a lie. And, and then on the flip side, the question that I kind of wrestle with as I think about James and Jesus is what kind of proof would I need in order to start believing that my brother was the son of God, the Messiah that came to, to save the sins of the world? And when you think of it in that type of, of question, you, you realize just how significant this is that James post-resurrection through his entire life in support of the movement of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And there are profound implications for those of us who call Jesus King and Lord. Not only has Jesus conquered sin and death through the cross and resurrection, but he's actually done this really amazing thing of, of inviting all of us into a tribe of the resurrection to carry on the purposes that God has in this world. And so the question that we need to kind of wrestle with maybe today is, how does Jesus go about doing this? What, what are the first things that happen post-resurrection that really set the stage for the church? And to do this, I wanna invite us to look at the very last statement that Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter one, verse eight, and this is what it says. Jesus speaking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now notice that very first line there. This is so important. It's foundational to everything that comes after. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now Jesus spoke about this several times with his disciples, whether they really kind of understood it in full or not, that, that's, that's probably debatable, but Jesus spoke about this arrival of a spirit that would come and help them and guide them and empower them. And when you fast forward then just another chapter from this moment to, to Acts chapter two, we see the day of Pentecost. We see the day that the Holy Spirit finally arrives on the planet and it says he, he came like wind and fire. And, and Acts 2 tells us that everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you who maybe are new to Jesus, you're new to, to Christian faith, you might be asking, I don't even really understand who, who, who or what or, you know, what is Holy Spirit? What is this? And, and so we, we kind of need to unpack that a little bit. And I admit right up front to, to unpack that, we have to kind of journey into some deeper waters just for a couple of minutes. Bear with me, I promise it's leading somewhere. But we have to understand that since very early on in Christian theology and kind of the development of the doctrine of Christian faith, that, that 
historians and scholars and thinkers have identified God as the great three in one. Perhaps the word that we've, we've heard uh, most often is Trinity, that, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is this mysterious and, and really kind of hard to fathom dynamic of, of three in one, but, but it's also really important for us to recognize as believers to, to understand that Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Holy Spirit is co-equal and co-eternal with Father and Son, and, he, and, and, and Holy Spirit is part of this dynamic of the Godhead. Now let the grandness of that thought begin to sink in as we unpack one other thing that I think we need to explore before we actually really land home on an idea. And that's that in the Old Testament, the physical presence of God was primarily known to come and reside on earth within a temple or a tabernacle. You don't have to know a whole lot about those things. All you really need to know is that before Jesus came to earth, God's physical presence was limited to a really small room called the Holy of Holies, buried deep within the temple, and it was near inaccessible. Only a priest could enter and only under certain conditions and time frames. And, and so just understand that dynamic as we explore then the day of Pentecost where God spins all of that on its head. And instead of needing to journey to one specific location on earth to experience the physical presence of God, think about this, that God now resides in us. That all of a sudden the Holy of Holies can be found in each human heart. That each of us as individuals who believe in Jesus are, are containers for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's one way of, of maybe saying this that the great I am now resides in us. The great I am now lives within us. We now are walking mobile temples. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the presence of God himself, filled with the great I am. This is an extraordinary truth. Do not let how important and how amazing this is pass you by because the implications are stunning for us. We are never alone. Holy Spirit resides in us, guides us, comforts us, reminds us, challenges us, convicts us, teaches us. Anywhere we go, God goes with us. But this, this idea of Holy Spirit within us, it leads to another really important truth. And I want to jump over now to the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 to get an idea of the kind of the next part of this that is so important to grasp. Here's what he says. Catch this first line. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Don't miss this. This is unbelievable. Paul is saying that I am defines who we are. The great I am defines who we are. Part 
of being people of the resurrection is understanding that we are children of the living God. We are daughters and sons of God Almighty. There is this intimate nature that is bound up into our relationship with Jesus, but we're also now invited into a spiritual family. All of us in this room, we are connected in a spiritual tribe, a resurrection tribe, and the Holy Spirit reminds us of this on a continual basis. Now listen, many of us in this room, we need to be reminded of this, that in Christ you are a daughter of the, the living God, that, that in Christ you are a son of the living God. I, I don't know about you, I, I can speak for me, but the, the longer I journey through life, the, the more kind of little paper cuts I absorb, the more wounds that, that kind of I absorb. And, and there are, I've found people who are willing to use their words and actions to belittle and destroy and discourage. And, and it can be really, really easy to believe a lie about yourself when it is spoken over you on a regular basis. And, and so we have to begin to replace those lies with truths like this one, that in Jesus, we can call out to God as our father. In Jesus, we belong now to a spiritual tribe. In Jesus, we have a spiritual inheritance. And, and we need to go back to this foundational truth again and again that who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished should always inform and shape who we are and what we do as resurrection people. I am defines who we are. We are no longer friends defined by this world. We are no longer defined by the accuser. We're no longer defined by the voice of another human being. We're no longer defined by our sin nature. We're no longer defined by our worst mistake. I am states something very different about you and me, that we are forgiven, we are free. We are in close proximity and relationship with God himself through the Holy Spirit. And we are now able to step into who God always intended for us to be sons and daughters of God. Everything we are flows out of who he is. Now, you know, uh, last week uh, over Resurrection Weekend and all of our service was we, we watched a resurrection story that was so beautiful. It was a story of Murphy, who is an attender at our Kiwanee Center campus. He's a great dude. And uh, his story is so beautiful. And we wanted to kind of bring that story back this week, but with some bonus footage to tell the whole story. And so I'm just going to invite you to just kind of lean into this uh, video that we're going to show of, of Murphy's story and let his story just encourage your heart again today. Let's take a look. <clears throat> Murphy Falgu, and uh, here's my story. I was raised in a Catholic household, but I never really was taught to uh, trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I knew all the Bible stories, all the parables, knew all the holidays and the you know festivals and everything, but like I said, I didn't know about him. Uh, I got into trouble when I was a youth. Just uh, my, my father passed away when I was 14. And that really, really hit me hard. My girlfriend got pregnant, and my son was born when I was 17. And at that moment, I kind of had to grow up really fast. So I joined the military. I did my tour of duty in the military. I was deployed a couple of times. And uh, things didn't go well with me and her because we probably got married a little too young. And uh, 
we got divorced. And after we got divorced, I went to a dark place because our divorce was, wasn't, it was pretty nasty. And uh, I started experimenting with drugs and prostitution and stuff like that. And I was as far away from God as anybody could get. And uh, drugs is what the direct result of my being incarcerated right now. The, the drugs made me hurt somebody very close to me. And it, 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 it chokes me up to this day to think about it. And it's been 20 years since it happened. Uh, and during that time incarcerated, I had been struggling with just fitting in. And I'm ashamed to, to say so, but uh, I was a pagan for many years in prison. And uh, I was an Odinist, and it was just a dark time for me. And I didn't think God wanted to have anything to do with me for hurting a loved one. And I, it had been wrestling in the back of my mind, uh, should I go back to Jesus or should I not go back to Jesus? But nah, he doesn't want me. I've been blaspheming his name for so many years. He doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Big guy with long blonde hair, he was doing a Bible study, and I really, I really uh, liked what he had to say. He, he was living right next door to me in the cell next door to me. And I saw him one day in front of his cell, and he was drying his hair. And I saw on his, on his stomach were these Nordic runes. And uh, the Nordic runes are for the, the oldest religion. And I asked him, I said, I, I just saw you preaching in a, in a Bible study. He said, he said, yeah, I used to be a notice for so many years. And one day I just decided to uh, trust, in, trust in the Lord and he saved me and uh, brought me back into his flock. And I said, well, I've been doing the same thing for a long time. He said, well, do you want to get saved right now? And I just, overwhelming presence and I started crying and he said, well, I'll get on my knees with you right now and we'll pray. That's what, what happened. And, that was uh, February 23rd, 2013. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the greatest day of my life. It really is. It, it chokes me up just thinking about it now. My ex-wife is ecstatic that I came to know Jesus, you know. And it, it, it says in, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, as long as you trust in him and obey his statutes, he'll hear, heal your land. And uh, he's been healing my land. Tremendously. Sure, I was in prison before 2013, and I'm in prison now, but I'm just, I was, I was in prison spiritually, emotionally, and physically before 2013. Now I'm just in prison physically. I'm not in prison anymore up here or in here. Murphy, in light of the decision you made in 2013, and even now in your declaration that Jesus is your Lord, it is my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm free. You know, it just, I'm, 
So, so awesome. Talk about a comeback story that, that Jesus, you know, took, took the remains of Murphy's heart and restored him and made him new. What an awesome picture of God's ability to transform and renew. I, I'll never get tired of hearing stories like this one because it reminds us of this amazing truth that because of the I am, we are resurrection people. We are empowered by Holy Spirit to live transformed lives. We can and we should be optimistic about God's ability to change us and renew us and, and bring victory in our lives. And I love that, that my friend Murphy has been transformed and now understands the beauty of knowing that he is a child of God. Now, all this kind of reminds me of, of one other thought from the Apostle Paul. And it's, it's in the same chapter, it's Romans chapter eight, but this time it's verse 11. And it's so powerful that I actually wanna invite everybody across our network to read this aloud with me. People in Bettendorf get in on this, men of Kiwani get in on this, and let's just read this together because it is a powerful truth. You ready, here we go, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Do you catch the profound importance of what is happening here with Paul's statement that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives within you, that empowers you, and that gives you access to resurrection power. The question is, are we resurrection people? Well, yeah, you better believe we are because we have direct access to the transformative resurrection power through the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing truth. In fact, let's state it like this, that we are carriers of resurrection power. We are carriers of resurrection power. This is why we can become so optimistic about God's ability to completely transform us and make us new because the Spirit grants us this resurrection power that, that friends, things that might appear dead in your life right now, those things can come back to life. Things that appear broken in your life, those things can be healed. Things that maybe rooms or spaces that you've kept hidden and are just dirty for, for years and years, those, those rooms can be cleaned out through the blood of Jesus and his light can shine in and make it a bright space again. That the Holy Spirit grants us access to power so that we can be transformed, so that we can say no to sin and yes to obedience and freedom and faithfulness. And this is all really good news, but I'm completely convinced, friends, that Holy Spirit grants us resurrection power, certainly for internal transformation, but it's, it's not all just about us, that Holy Spirit grants us power in order to take that and, and use it on behalf of others that we come in contact with. In fact, in your notes, there's not like a space designated for this, but right under kind of the word carriers, I would just write the word givers that we are, we are not only carriers and containers for resurrection power, but we are givers of resurrection power. We have the power to bring life to this world. We can help bring heaven 
here to earth, we can bring a little bit of, of kingdom dynamic here. We can encourage and we can love and we can serve and we can be faithful and, and we can show compassion and, and serve on behalf of another person. We can create beautiful things like art and music and, and maybe a book or, or maybe some woodcraft or whatever thing that you can do. We, we are given power to influence. We are given power to speak the truth in love, to help shape systems that are fair, to get involved in our neighborhoods and communities to bring joy to this world. And, and friends, this is exactly why we organize, Heritage organizes around events like LeaderCast, this one-day conference that's coming up in May, because we want to put ourselves in positions where we are, are working on ourselves, we're working on our skills, we're working on how to communicate with another human being, how to, how to manage conflict, how to, how to lead in spaces that are difficult. We, we also uh, provide life groups and learning groups because we just want our body to continually engage in things that shape us into the image of Jesus so that he can then leverage us and, and help uh, bring life and resurrection power to those in our lives. At the, the risk of quoting a cheesy Spider-Man quote, with great power comes what? Great responsibility, right? And we have to leverage that well, consistently grow in, in how we do that, that we are carriers and givers of the resurrection. You know, I was thinking this week, my, my wife, she is a teacher uh, in the Moline School District, and she, uh, I, I was just kind of thinking about her role in, in, in this dynamic about how, uh, how she can leverage her own resurrection power and I think about how every single interaction that she has with a student in her environment, she has the potential to bring life and hope and joy and, and instruction to them, to, to help them, to breathe life and, and, and peace back into their hearts. I, I think of every interaction that she has with anybody in her building, uh, any parent of any of her kids, there is this potential for her to, to leverage her resurrection, carrying and giving power on behalf of another human being. Now look, you don't have to be a teacher in order to leverage your power. In fact, it doesn't matter what you do or don't do. It doesn't matter what phase or stage of life that you happen to be in right now. Friends, all that you need to know is that in Jesus, you are carriers and givers of resurrection power. And every single human interaction that you have throughout the day, you have the potential to pass Jesus along to that other person. You have the potential to breathe life into them. Maybe it's just as simple as smiling at someone who hadn't been smiled at all day or just showing warmth or compassion. You have a tremendous opportunity in front of you to pass along resurrection power. Now, here's what I love about this, that Jesus invites us into this rescue operation that he initiated at the cross and in the empty tomb, that, that he is still carrying out this rescue operation in the world. Some of you might wonder, well, you know, why didn't God just whisk us away once we found him? It's because there is still stuff for us to do. There is still the purposes of God that we need to fulfill. And the, the church, the resurrection tribe is a part of this. I love how New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, uh, he, he writes about this. He, I'm a kind of a fanboy of his. Um, so he's, he's a little meaty, uh, so bear with me. But this is such a great thought that I want to get across where he says that the hope was not for a rescue operation that would snatch Israel or humans or the faithful from the world, but for a rescue operation that would be for the world 
an operation through which redeemed humans would play once more the role for which they were designed. It was the hope for a renewed world in which justice and mercy would reign forever. I love this because Jesus doesn't just save us or rescue us from this world. He actually rescued us for this world. We are part of this rescue operation. We are resurrection carriers and givers. Now, remember back to Murphy's story. And, uh, you know, it's a great story of transformation. We've already kind of identified that. But... But there is a piece of that story, and and it can pass you by pretty quickly in the midst of the drama of the rest of his story. But he talks about the moment that he comes to know Jesus and how there was another human being involved in that dynamic. And I love this. He calls him a a big blonde-haired dude. We we didn't even get a name. We just heard he's a big blonde-haired guy that led a study, and he had some exposure to Odinism, the same as me. And, and, you know, through this relationship, Murphy was connected deep into the heart of Jesus. Now, I love this, friends, because this big blonde-haired dude actually served as a resurrection carrier, as a resurrection giver, and, and he leveraged his past experience in order to uh, teach Jesus and, and share Jesus with Murphy. And it was actually this other human's involvement that sealed the deal in Murphy's life. I, I love this because it, it is such uh, an example of how God can use us anywhere that we're planted. That, that he can use our stories. He will not waste your pain. He will not waste your story. He will not waste your experiences that you may have background even in another religion apart from Christianity like, like, like this blonde-haired Odinist, right? That, that you, you, might, you might have something that can connect to the heart of another human being with a similar story. Or it might be a, a life passion, you know, uh, maybe it's a life situation or it's a hobby or it's, it's something that, that you do for a living. May, maybe it's a, some other life event that has happened in your life, whether it's good or bad. Friends, I would even say it might even be a past failure of yours. This might be something in your past 10, 20, 30 years ago. Maybe it was an addiction that you had to fight through, or maybe it was an affair. And, and, and you, you have this brokenness and this pain in your past that, that God has just redeemed and woven into your story. And, and there's going to be a moment, friends, in your life where, where God connects you to a person with a similar story. And you're going to be used as a resurrection carrier giver to point them to Jesus. It might be that your particular story is the only story that will connect to certain people that God has placed in your life. It takes recognition that we are carriers of the resurrection in order for us to just be on this this path of of interacting with, with people in our lives who need to hear about Jesus. It takes us being humble and flexible and available. And and it takes recognition that we, friends, are walking temples of the Holy Spirit. The great I am himself resides in us. And anywhere you go, any conversation you have, there is the potential to point people directly to Jesus. We are resurrection people and may we never, ever, ever forget that about our core identity. Now, we kind of want to need to move into the, the so what moment. And I'm going to keep it short and sweet. It's really just going to be a statement of challenge. And I've, I've written this statement in a, a corporate way. Hopefully, you'll kind of understand what I'm doing with this. But I would challenge you to step fully 
into who we are because he is I am. Step fully into who we are because he is I am, or or more specific and individualized, that, that you would step fully into who you are because he is I am. That Jesus sets the stage, that everything we are and everything we do should flow directly out of him. You know, I, I've mentioned that resurrection is a pivot moment. And, and we're kind of in a pivot moment here as a church where we're, we're moving from this great series about I am statements of Jesus and we're moving to this exploration of who we are as resurrection people. And I, I want to kind of go back to I am for a second because there, there were a couple of different I am statements that we examined as a church in the past couple of months that, that I want to pull out. And I, I want to use as an illustration of how there's a pivot, an important pivot in our lives. For instance, we talked how, about how Jesus said, he is the light, I am the light of the world. And, and here today we find out, oh, Jesus actually makes us many lights, many, many shiners into the world around us. Jesus says, I am the way. And we find out that Jesus actually makes us into signposts that point the way directly to the throne of Jesus. Last week, we talked about how Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And here we find out that we are actually dispensers of resurrection and life. And, and, and we have the ability to breathe life into other people. See, Jesus sets the stage. He informs and shapes us and he calls us to participate in the rescue plan that he has established here on earth. But part of the challenge is this. Are we willing to step fully into the design and calling that God has for us? Maybe for some of you, there, there's a place of brokenness in your life that you need to hand over, that you actually need to experience a comeback story of your own. That, that maybe you need to hand over a piece of your identity where you, you're not really trusting him fully and, and who he says that you are. And, and all of this takes courage and it takes submission. But where do you need to step more fully into your identity as sons and daughters of the living God as a reminder of our calling to be a part of a resurrection tribe where we are carriers and givers of resurrection power? See, friends, I, I would just invite you, we're, we're over the course of the next four weeks, really through the month of May, we're going to continue in this series, and it's going to be powerful and important, and I would just challenge you to be here for all four of the rest of these weeks with an open heart and an open mind to see what the Lord wants to do in you. And my prayer in the meantime is that we would not forget who we are because of the great I am, that we would not forget our identity as sons and daughters of God, resurrection people, and carriers and givers of resurrection power. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for who you are. Uh, you have been so gracious and so good to us. I thank you for the cross and the empty tomb and your, your victory over sin and death. And I thank you for each, each person, each individual that is in this space right now. I pray, God, that you would begin to work in our hearts and minds and to begin to illuminate within us those places that we need to hand over to you so that we might be shaped and informed by, by what you say we are, by who, who you say we are, and that we would step into that fully. May we not lose sight of the fact that we are carriers of your resurrection. 
We are givers of your resurrection power. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We love you, God, so much. We thank you for what you've done. And we pray all these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.